several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow Hey, and it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And this week I want to revisit a subject that I have not touched upon for a pretty long time. And it is a subject that is near and dear to me because uh, during the course of doing Grape Encounters, which I think we're going on close to 10 years now, can it be? We have touched a lot of lives, but I'm not talking about necessarily the lives of wine drinkers, but the lives of would-be winemakers, people who have actually listened to the show and gotten into winemaking because they took my stupid advice. They listened to me (laughs) when we've talked about how you can get into winemaking fairly easily. So it was about, as I said, nine or ten years ago, we did a show called You Too Can Be a Winemaker. I remember we had Keith Sarlos on from Sarlos and Sons in the San Ynez Valley of Central, the Central Coast of California. We also had on Wes Hagen who's uh, been on the show many times. And it just so happens that that weekend when we aired that show, there was a fellow by the name of Gil Gannion, who was an executive vice president of the Disney Studios. And he was listening to the show and he really got sucked into that whole idea of becoming a winemaker. And I think the main thing about the show was the point that you can almost be a virtual winemaker these days. You don't have to plant grapes. You don't have to build a winery. You can buy grapes from somebody else. You can even use equipment that is co-opted with other people, or you can go into a co-op facility and make wine. It's, you know, there's some really good wine being made that way. Well, anyway, Gil got the bug in a big way, eventually left Disney and started Ganyan Cellars. And I didn't find out about it until about seven years later when a colleague of mine who also has a wine show called me and said, hey, I got this guy on the radio the other day. His name's Gil Ganyan. He makes these really good wines, but you should listen to this interview. And and uh, he sent me this clip. I listened to the clip. Lo and behold, he asks Gil, well, why did you get into the wine business and leave your career at Disney? And Gil says, well, because I was listening to the show Grape Encounters. And this guy, David Wilson, said that, uh, you know, it's easier to become a winemaker than you think. So that's a little of the backstory. And since that time, we've tasted Gil's fabulous wines, and he's actually planted grapes, and he's going like gangbusters. But I have another angle that I want to attack this story from today, because a very interesting person, actually really family that I met just very recently. They have never been in the wine business. They have no roots in the wine business. No pun intended, but no roots in the wine business. But they were over in our wine bar 
and they were telling us about their Cabernet because I had given them a taste of a Cabernet that I think is just absolutely fantastic. And they agreed, but then said, I think you'll like our cab better. Well, their wines are not released yet. They're not completely bonded yet, so their wines are not out to the public. The winery is called Defiance. The brand is Defiance. And, yeah, they're defying all odds with the quality of this particular Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a 2015. It's the Faulkner family. And with me today is Aaron. I'm sorry it took me so long to get you to you, Aaron, but I wanted to give people the backstory, and then we're going to get into why I invited you here, because you attacked getting into the wine business as a family from a different angle than the story that I told nine years ago. So anyway, welcome. Thank you for having me. First time on the radio. Yes. A newbie, but new to the wine business too. That's the really interesting thing. Your family does some very interesting things. You and your father are both, what, engineers? Is that the right term? We're actually program and construction managers. Uh, oh, the focus construction on, managers, yeah. Yeah, the focus on airports and port construction. When you say port construction, you mean like big ports where big ships come Yeah, in. where big ship tankers come and big grain conveyors take things off of those those tankers and bring them into facilities to process grain, wheat, soy. So both port and airports are pretty explanatory. But you're just a kid. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so anyway, you, you, I mean, you literally build ports like I, I think you're you and your father were telling me that you just finished a project like in the port of New Orleans yeah we have a, a private client very much that does all soybean and grain production throughout the world they bring it in on into rail facilities which then they load onto those big ships that you see going up and down the Mississippi and they travel to China and to Africa and all over the world. And then product also gets shipped back in through the Mississippi and into a very large processing plant. It's about $225 million facility. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so we manage that for for the actual owners. So I'm at a loss. You're building ports. You obviously have a good career going. Now you get bit by the wine bug. How did that happen exactly? Was the family in, into wine or what was the deal? I think we got bit more by the, the the country bug. We wanted to be together as a family. So Defiance is owned in partnership between myself, my parents who've been married, by the way, for 50 years wow. this November, and my brother. So we decided that we wanted to have a family type compound and we knew that our parents want to retire soon. And we had always lived between Northern and Southern California and traveled up and down and fell in love with Paso Robles, you know, back in the 70s. And we searched for about 10 years before we found this property that we're currently at right now. And when we found the property, we actually were going to follow a business model for our olives. My brother, who's a finance person, ran all the numbers and we started needing people in the growing business for, for grapes and changed our complete business model and it completely changed our lives. Wow. So no regrets that you didn't get into the olive business. I guess you could still do that, right? You can still plant <laughs> yes. olive trees. Cause, yeah, of course. Uh, a lot of uh, vineyards actually, and maybe people don't know this, but vineyards will often rotate crops between olives and grapes because they run at opposite seasons for the most part so they can keep a lot of the same labor on you right. know, uh, all year long. That's one of the reasons that they do it and, and stay busy all the time. But did you have a love for wine when you went down that road when you started to make wine? We drank wine as a family 
I, I was pretty uneducated about, you know, different varieties of wine and not really. I'll be perfectly honest with I, I you. You've been, you've, been really, you've been really candid about this. And this is the this is what gets me. OK, your family was in here. I, I was going to say about maybe three weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. I don't remember. They came in. We had not really known each other. I poured them what I thought was one of the best Cabernets that we have in the wine bar, the Grape Encounters Emporium. They taste it and they go, yeah, this is really good, but your mom leans over. I think you'd like our cab better. Not to insult this nice winemaker, you know? You know, almost like Marge Simpson, you know, that with that kind of innocence, right? Mm-hmm. Not that your mom is Marge Simpson. <laughs> totally different hair. But anyway, so they show up um, a few days later, and they've got this gorgeous bottle. The label is absolutely beautiful. You know, and I, I take it home with me, and it's sitting on the shelf for a few days. Because, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of people bring in wine. They want me to try their wine. There are a lot of junior winemakers out there. People who are just getting started, and I get people bringing me wine all the time. A lot of that wine is like, I'd rather drink diesel fuel. Honestly, <laughs> it would be better than some. So it's, it, it always troubles me when somebody says, oh, especially when they've got something, the, the, the label's handwritten, you know, with a Sharpie on the bottle. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you got to really watch out for. Yours happens to have this gorgeous label that's kind of world class. So a couple of days go by, and I'm thinking, just for kicks, I, I open the bottle because I'm thinking... Yeah, right. Their wine's going to be as this other, as good as this other wine. And I poured myself a glass, I sniffed it, and then I tasted it. And then I looked at my wife, Annie, and I go, holy, and I'm not even going to tell you what the next word was. And I said, you've got to get over here. You've got to taste this. You're not going to believe this. And she tasted it, and she started to swear as well in a good course, in a good sort of way, right? I mean, we were just blown away by the wine. And that's why I wanted to kind of come back to this topic. Because of your innocence as a family of not being from the wine culture, at first I thought maybe it was just a happy accident. But I don't think so, because the, the wine was so well made, the grapes are so good, Particularly in this part of the world, Cabernet has been a struggle you now to get really good, you know, quality fruit like you would get out of a place like Napa or Bordeaux. Some people are doing it well, but not as many as aren't doing it well. So that was the whole reason for getting into this conversation. So I'm going to, I haven't let you talk too much, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to get, dive, we're going to dive deeper into how you went about getting into the wine business and where you're going from here, especially because you came from this place of innocence. Fair enough? Fair enough. And are you going to, is this going to be a tell-all? How about a tell-all enough? <laughs> how about a tell-all Can't enough? give all my secrets away. It's Erin Faulkner and she is uh, with Defiance Vineyard and and literally defying all odds, as I said, with the quality of the wines that they're doing, especially with these wines being, you know, just the first that they've made. That's astounding. And um, I'm tasting a Petite Syrah right now. I'm about to taste it. And I'll let you know how that goes when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. People sometimes say it's the wine talking. Well, everyone knows that wine can't talk. That's why a bunch of grapes got together and hired David Wilson to do the talking for them. David will uncork today's story after this. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. 
But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts and lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. Winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. So if you've ever had the burning desire to become a winemaker, this is a good person to listen to. I've got in the studio Aaron Faulkner with Defiance Vineyards, and we were talking about earlier, you and your father are in really big project management, I guess specializing in ports and what else, maybe airports or something? Yeah, ports and airports, large construction, usually over $200 million. My father also did the World Trade Center. What? Yeah, he was responsible, the program manager for all the retail of the World Trade Center. Oh so my what a fan- gosh, you're talking a- about the new, the new World Trade the, Center. Absolutely, the new, the new World wow. Trade Center. Uh, so he was in New York for quite a while. He built uh, the new Athens Airport in Greece, so my parents and all of us kids were very thrilled about them living in Greece for quite a long time. So let's talk about the wine thing because I, first of all, I'm now tasting for the first time the Petite Syrah, which is every bit as delicious as the Cab. So these wines aren't a mistake. And you brought some other ones for me to try, but this Petite Syrah is really good. Needs to stay in the bottle a little bit longer, right? That is correct. And that's a, that's a third leaf. So we only took one ton off of that five acre head trained of tree-like, a goblet style grape. Let's explain that because most people are used to seeing photographs or seen vineyards where the vines are trellised and then the head trained is completely different and you can explain how you do that. When we bought the vineyard, one of the things that uh, I'm very good about doing, and in fact, everyone in our family doing, is realizing when we don't know a lot of information. So I hooked up with uh, George Turquato over there at Cinnabar and he became my mentor. And one of the things he did was take me through a tour through St. Helena, Alexander Valley, Napa, Sonoma, and we went and looked at Rumbauer Vineyard 
vineyards and all over. And one of the things I brought back was not only a bunch of irrigation conservation methods, but also some different trellising that wasn't being done in Paso Robles. So the Petite Syrah is actually head trained in a different style that's normally done here with the, the Zin, where it's crouched low to the ground. It's actually on a single stake and that stake is about six feet high. The plant grows like a tree and we do it in a goblet style so that it has lots of aeration. I can get product inside there. You mean like shampoo and conditioner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like product. Not only is it quite beautiful, it produces, I think, some superior quality fruit. You're in the business for a couple of years. There are folks in other parts of California that have been in it for 60, 70, 80 years, actually. I can think of one 80-year-old, 90-year-old that's had almost 80 seasons. And you're saying, I think it just produces better fruit. You didn't know anything about growing grapes until a couple of years ago. No, I didn't. So so how do you get to that point of confidence? It comes from, well, to start off with the basics of reading is one part of it. However, that only shows you maybe 5% of the story. And then hooking up, like I said, with like a George Taquanto or other really well-known growers and winemakers to gather a bunch of data. And then I also do believe it has a lot to do with logic. You will see if your plant is happy or not. You will see how what the fruit tastes like when it's growing on the vine, whether it's working or not. So I think it was a combination of all those things and putting in the physical effort into the plants. I think a lot of people... Do the plants appreciate you being out there? They do. They love my music when I play it, when I'm out what there you, working with them. What do you play to the plants? Everything from 70s rock to classical. Okay. All right. <laughs> Everything in between. There's a little bit of science behind that, actually. <laughs> no, there, there really is. Actually, that makes it more so, fun so what for I'm, me. I'm really wondering is this, you know, coming out of the profession that, which you're still in, by the way, where you're literally having to create something that never existed before. Mm-hmm. It's all about solving problems and you've got to get it right the first time, right? Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. We're project managers. Did you hear that, everybody? I nailed it on the head. <laughs> so we're both project managers and project managers are problem solvers. So if something doesn't work, we figure out how to fix it. We do it quickly. We learn from our mistakes. Believe me, I've made so many of them. I can't even count. But yeah, when we bought that property a little bit over eight, nine years ago, it was vacant land. It was just under 100 acres. That area wasn't really well known for growing quality grapes. We did a bunch of soil testing. We did water testing. The elevation at 1200, the slopes are beautiful. The view is fantastic. It fit everything. And when we found that property, my parents actually found it. They called my brother and I. I was living down in Southern California and said, you guys got to come up here right away. We have found the piece of property. Did they find it in the springtime or in the summertime? It was the summer. So it wasn't the prettiest time. Because the springtime is beautiful. The summer can be pretty (laughs) dusty looking. It wasn't the prettiest time, but my brother and I showed up literally that Sunday morning and we put an offer down on the property that Sunday afternoon. So we all knew this was it. My father always says it's it's hard work with a combination of some luck. This is some mighty mean Malbec here. And I mean, this is really good. Did you see the color? Yeah. I'm going to tell you what, I have not tasted Malbec this delicious in a long time from this area. That's three now. Three winners. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> the Defiance Cabernet Sauce. You can't even buy this, folks. You know, I, I'm sorry to be sitting here tempting you all, but th- this will be out, what, next year you'll have wines, right? Yes. Next year we're, we're hoping oh, to produce. You guys are going to blow the shorts off of other people. I mean, you really are. Thank you. I think your determination and your research really worked out because, I mean, these aren't necessarily easy grapes to grow. One of the things that I think is interesting, too, you were telling me certain grapes are selling for by the ton here the other night when I saw you and I said, don't you dare sell these grapes. 
That's true. For that price. Right. Because good grapes will bring top dollar. Right. And, you know, grapes can be just as profitable as marijuana, folks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like those of you who are getting into that industry. By the way, I'm I'm getting tired of everybody trying to link the cannabis industry and the wine industry like they're the same thing. You noticed that lately? They're trying to put cannabis in wine barrels now. I know. It's, you know, come on. Please. Enough. Not against. You can smoke whatever and drink whatever, whatever you want to do. Very liberal in that sense. But. Goodness gracious, they're not the same thing. No. But they're making cannabis wines now and stuff like that. Yeah, awesome. I haven't tasted them yet. I'm, I'm fearful that I'm going to taste them and, and, and then turn the on-the-air button on and then go out to the <laughs> known world uh, saying things that I wouldn't want to say and drooling all over myself at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to take a, a quick breather here so that I can try the Cab Franc. I saved the Franc for last because Cab Franc is my favorite varietal these days. That Cab Franc has got some beautiful color and it's been a labor love, that block. Notice that you're in love with the color. I do love color. The flavor of these wines is pretty darn good. <laughs> when we come back, we'll just have a few minutes and I want to, I want you to tell us how somebody who is interested in becoming a winemaker actually wants to grow grapes, how they would go about doing that. Talking to Erin Faulkner, she is uh, one of four family members that make up Defiance Vineyard in Paso Robles and man, just kicking it out of the park. I had to have her on because this is one of the best junior efforts I've ever tasted. You know, people don't get it right this fast. It sometimes takes 20, 30 years for some people to get it right. And man, they nailed it. I feel blessed. Thank you. You know, the, the people who planted grapes, you know, let's say 30 years ago or 40 years ago, they didn't have the Internet. Well, and also I think that the my generation is is pushing the envelope on innovation. So when we first started the vineyard, we did have some consultation in the very beginning. To be honest with you, after I took my tours all through Napa and talked with a bunch of innovators in uh, Northern California and brought that back here, it was a completely different effort. So I think it's also doing your homework, but also looking for new innovation. Uh, Let's talk about some of that new innovation when we come back with Aaron Faulkner on Grape Encounters Radio. Stay right with us. Uh, Go fill your glass with Cabernet Franc. That's what I'm going to do next. At no time were any animals harmed during the making of today's show. However, countless grapes were crushed and mutilated. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. Hi, it's David Wilson. And if you're a frequent listener, you know that I constantly tell you the importance of aerating most wines. If you don't, you're simply not tasting your wine in all of its glory. 
Well, there's a remarkable new wine aeration product out that's beautiful, mesmerizing, and destined to revolutionize conventional decanting. It's the V-Spin, a gorgeous decanter that sits on a simple stand. But inside that stand is some very innovative magnetic technology, which enables the wine in the decanter to swirl silently, creating a vortex that exposes the wine to the perfect amount of air in just a few minutes, accomplishing what otherwise could take hours. And you can adjust the speed and time to perfectly suit the wine varietal. I've put the V-Spin through rigorous testing, and the results were consistently stunning. And you can now buy it on Amazon. Learn more at vspin.us. That's V as in vino, spin.us. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson. Back with Grape Encounters Radio and uh, my new best friend, Erin Faulkner. Thank you. She makes really great wines, and uh, and they're just fantastic. And it's a, I don't want to call it novice effort or junior effort because you did all your homework. You, this is the first go-round for you guys. It sure is. And you nailed it, and I don't. I haven't tried the Cab Franc yet. I'm going to pour this. This is like one of my, I can't get it open. Did I tell you I, I broke a couple of ribs the other day, guys? I just stumbled and fell, and I, I broke two ribs. So if you hear me struggling here, that's me trying to get the cap off the little bottle of Cap yeah, Franc. I can't. If you so, were any kind of person, Aaron, you'd come over here and open it for me for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, let's try this. Okay, here we go. So while you're trying that, that's a Cab Franc. It's a brand new. Literally just was put in the barrel. We have about four acres of it right now. Originally, we planted mm. a lot more Cab Franc, and we got red blotch, and we ended up yanking that entire block out oh, amongst no. some others. Yeah. I hate that. So we had to start over. So that's the third leaf. So that's only one ton taken off that many acres, and just literally went right in the barrel. It, it tastes mighty fine. It, I mean, obviously, it's this is a barrel sample. It's Correct. Spanking new, yeah, but it's really it's really solid too. Let's take it back to the day that you decided it was you were going to buy this land. Did you decide that it was going to be grapes at the time, or did you buy it with the intention of it being olives at the time? We bought it with the intention of being olives, although that quickly dissipated once we bought the property, and we quickly turned that's over a to a. Pretty, bi- that's a pretty big change of plans. I, I might. I understand, and I think that you know the difference between our family is that we are all. A type business people. We were looking for a property that was going to sustain itself and take care of my parents when they retired. So my brother and I were looking to do something that was financially stable. And originally, olives were kind of a growth market at the time. And once we reran the numbers after about five years and reran the numbers when we bought the property, grapes were definitely the product that we wanted to go into. And I am so thankful we made that decision because although I'm exhausted all the time, and as I tell people, when they say, have a good weekend, I say, what's a weekend? I have yeah. no idea. No, I, I know that, yeah. <laughs> It's one of the hardest jobs you can possibly do, especially if you're a family winery. But the point I wanted to get across was it is doable. And if a family wants to do it, you know, it starts with, you know, do your research, get the right land. If you don't get the right land, you know, you're not going to make it probably. Yeah, most definitely. I, those grapes are not just how we farm them, but it's the terroir. I mean, we have beautiful soil. Uh, we have lots of water where we're at and we have 
good elevation and lots of sun. Then the other way to go, I suppose, is to buy an established vineyard, which many people do. A lot of the trade publications out there actually will have land for sale. There's a lot of publications where you can find vineyards for sale. And a lot of times it'll be families like the Faulkner family that didn't make it or couldn't take it or ran into financial trouble or something. And they got to scrap the property and the project. And I've seen a lot of people make good deals, although there's always people out there hunting for quality land to buy. That is true. And in this AVA right now, I can tell you that the land is being consumed rather quickly. Well, there's also a water problem here, too. There is also a water If you don't have water, you're not going to be able to grow grapes unless you dry farm and that's you correct. can't always do that. That is correct. But yeah, there's two ways to get into it. One would be what we did, which is called the Greenfield situation, which is completely vacant land. And you start from bottom. I would suggest that if you decide to do something like that, you either have a lot of money or you have a ton of knowledge of construction or both, or you literally plant a smaller acreage plot. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can get a, a lot of grapes off of, you know, five, seven acres. We just happen to have a business model that eventually will take us up to 60. The other way to do it is to buy a vineyard that's already established. And you can, if you don't like the variety that's there, you can always graft on top of it and put was, a new Was that variety. a consideration to buy property that was already planted or did you want to start from Abs- scratch? Yeah, not for our family. Absolutely not. We are very specific being in our industry, what we want. I adore everything we put in there and every pipe that's in that ground underneath for, for water irrigation, every pipe for electrical, the deer fencing, all of the preparation of that soil, that the existing structure that we built. We're building one more soon. All done by the hands of our family. And there's nothing more satisfying than that. And it's exactly the way that I want it. And when it goes to the grandkids as it's in a trust, they have participated in it too. Every summer they now, work on that But you have no farm. children, so you're going to have to get started fairly soon. <laughs> yeah. I, or could I be? My brother maybe, and I could, sister. maybe I could be your grandchild. <laughs> I don't know. I'm older than you, but... Well, let's just put it this way. I absolutely adore my nephews. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> I guess me being part of the family's not going to happen here. So you don't have a winery on the property, right? That is correct. We do not. You use some somebody else's production facilities then? Yeah, you can use someone else's production facility. We also have taken a brand and business model where we're working with really young upcoming winemakers. Like we have a Ryan Stang with Electa doing some of our winemaking. We will always keep George Tricotto as our main winemaker. And so there's so many different avenues you can if you don't have a vineyard, you can buy the grapes, you can buy the juice, you can buy the juice already put in a barrel for you and make your wine. And I know people are very successful doing it that way, too. You're selling a good portion of your grapes to somebody else who's going to make their own wines as well. So you'll make your wines and you'll sell some of your grapes. You know, at some point you may decide to do, just use all your grapes for your own purposes if the wines become really super hot. There's a lot of options out there, though. There is a ton of options. We originally started where we only put like that Cabernet Sauvignon. That was a third year leaf where I didn't want to crop high. I only took one ton. I did a barter system with George where I gave him a, him a half a ton. He made a half a ton for me, put it in a barrel, bottled it for me, gave it to me, and he got free grapes. And we've done that with a lot of our new winemakers coming up. So it's not just making your own wine. There's barter systems and everything in between. But our business model, this is going to be our fifth year with that cab. Everything else is either fourth or is going on their fourth year. So we're 
we're still super young. But when but, you say when you fifth year with that cab, you mean with the the plants themselves? Correct, with the plants yeah, in the ground. I think some people might think that we're talking about the actual bottle of Cabernet. Oh no, I'm sorry. The plants were put in the ground five years ago, and so we crop them. We do a very minimal crop on year three, and we never sell those. And then year four is when we we do sell. But our business model has even changed recently, where we're going to start holding back a percentage for our own production because the value of our grapes has skyrocketed and the reviews that we're getting. We're also having a waiting list on that Petite Syrah fruit right now. This Cab Franc is definitely the youngest of the bunch, but I can see where it's got great potential as well. Although it's, sometimes it's like looking at a baby, you don't know what it's going to look like till it grows up a little bit. These are very, very promising wines and grapes. So yeah, don't you dare sell it cheap. I'm <laughs> telling you right now, don't do that. Okay. Uh, point of the entire uh, story today is this. If you want to be in the wine business, unlike almost any business that I can think of, there are so many different options that you have. Keep it as simple as going to a winemaking store. There are a lot of them in the big cities. I won't say there are a lot of them, but most big cities will have a winemaking store or beer making store. They'll do both. And you can go down there and buy the Mustin, which is just a nice way of saying frozen grape juice, probably pulp in it. And you can do it that way. And uh, you can join a winemaking co-op. Sometimes it's just consumers that are have gone together and they've bought some very simple equipment, a press, a, a distemmer, you know, those kinds of things. And they've shared the cost of that. So there are clubs that actually do that. There are facilities that will make small batches of wine for you. So all you have to do is go out and find the grapes. You can contact somebody like Erin Faulkner and she'll sell you the grapes. At a premium price. At a premium price because I it's my fault, actually. No, but you can you can go out and you can source grapes. That's not always the easiest thing to do. But the grapes are out there and there are brokers that sell them. And the, the chances are that as you first get started, you're not going to get the grapes great grapes that the really great winemakers are going to get because they've got dibs on those. That's true. But you never know. So lots of lots of different ways of going about it for sure. It's so interesting, you know. Aaron, what's next? We are on phase two of planting. We have the infrastructure for the back almost in place and we will be planting around another 13 acres of Cabernet 47 clone, which is my fave and that's the one you're tasting. And then we have phase three going in next year and that will be a combination of some tiny little estate plots for some things that I want to do for fun. What about a winery? We are definitely in the works of that discussion for on the two to three year plan. I first need to build another structure before we move on to that one. But yes, the okay. winery is definitely yeah. on the master plan. That other structure, of course, being my, my guest quarters. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll get that done and then we'll I can help on the winery if you like. No, I'd love that very yeah, okay. much. All right. Well, listen, Erin, uh, it was really nice having you in here. Thank I you really, for really, really super appreciate it. And I really wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for everything. We're really. not done with you, you know. I mean, for today, we're done with you. <laughs> but we're not done with you yet because uh, this is it's a really good example. And again, the, the reason I wanted to talk about it and spend some time on it today, these are not friends of the family. These are not people I've known for a long time. These are not people that are sponsors of the show. These are not people that I'm buying any wine from. I can't buy wine from them. Mm-hmm. I can only taste their wine. It's because it's proof positive that you... You, too, can be a winemaker. The point of a show nine years ago, the point of a show in 2018. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Grape Encounters is 100% estate-grown. We have, however, removed the pretentiousness and added a healthy dose of fun. David will be right back as soon as he's through unfriending anyone who doesn't love wine. Oh, I I guess it's going to be a very short break. 
For nearly four years, I've taken many opportunities to tell you about the place that Grape Encounters Radio calls home, Atascadero, located right in the heart of the spectacular California Central Coast wine country, which offers a lot more to see and do than simply enjoying the world-class wines we produce here. Atascadero is a town where people are remarkably friendly, food and accommodation prices are far lower than in other wine countries, and every activity imaginable can be found just minutes away in any direction, including world-class wineries, ocean sports, and breathtaking beaches, cycling, equestrian activities, sightseeing, hiking, hot springs, farm-to-table cuisine, cider houses, concert venues, shopping, and so much more. I've had countless visits from around the country by listeners at the Grape Encounters Emporium Wine Bar in Atascadero's historic colony district. I hope you'll be next. For more information, log on to visitatascadero.com. I want to tell you about one of my absolute favorite treats in the world. I take a piece of triple cream brie cheese, put a few very special 100% organic heirloom walnuts on top, and then drizzle a little honey on it to make this a purely irresistible morsel of deliciousness. Then, I pour myself a small serving of decadent port-style wine to create the perfect complement. That's just one example of how I pamper myself with products from MM Organics in Paso Robles, California. Now, you're on your own with the honey and brie, but the walnuts and port-style dessert wine can be ordered online at mmorganics.com. They've also got lots of other delicious walnut products available, including their peerless sprouted walnuts and lots of decadent flavors, organic gluten-free walnut flour, raw organic walnut butter, estate organic walnut oil, and fair trade dark chocolate covered walnuts. MM Organics products are among the best in the world. Get your ship right away at mmorganics.com. There are tens of thousands of wines and even more stories about them. Here's a wine story selected just for you by your personal wine captain, David Wilson. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. Before we close up shop for the day, I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping because there have been some things that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, actually the past couple of months. You know, it has to do with who we are as human beings and how that impacts our wine-loving experience. We had on the folks from Venome. In fact, I actually had them on a couple of months ago. It was back in October, I believe it was, and talking to them about this new program that they have, the connection between your DNA and the wines you love. And I actually put out an offer a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to extend that offer just a little bit further because I want to do this for more people. So we'll talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I got my DNA kit from Venome, and it's it's actually really pretty cool. So I got on uh, the line today, the Director of Customer Experience, Brad Johnson from Venome. Hello, David. How are you today? I got my kit. Awesome. It arrived to you safe and sound. Must have cost you a little bit of money to put this thing together because this is some pretty serious packaging. It's got grapes on the cover, though. Anyway, and it says Wine Explorer, so it was almost uh, reminded me of Internet Explorer. But anyway, uh, your <laughs> DNA guide to wines you'll love. Let's just back up for people who possibly missed the conversations that we've had in the past, because uh, you guys have put together a program using geneticists. Do I have that right? Yeah, genomics, yeah. That's it. Yeah, 
genomic, consumer genomics or genetics. And basically, you have discovered a very interesting link between our DNA makeup and the wines that we like. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I did not poo-poo it because I thought, you know, I've been doing this personality thing for a long time. People come into the Grape Encounters wine bar long before I even had a wine bar. Let's just go way past that. Right. I size people up based upon their personality traits. I look at their car. I look at their house. I look at the color of the clothing they're wearing, the jewelry they're wearing, the movies that they went to, all of the things that they love. And I have been able to find a relationship between these things and the wines that they drink. I can mm-hmm. nail it every single time, Brad. <laughs> I love it. For years now, I just call this exercise 20 questions, but it describes what I do because I will ask you up to 20 questions. Some of you, you know, I can size you up in three questions. Some of you, I can. I have never missed. And, and when I say I've never missed, what happens is I will suggest a wine for you. If you're in the wine bar, I'll just go grab a bottle of wine. You know, this relationship between how we're made up as a human being and the wines we drink is unmistakable, and it varies by culture, too. Would you agree with that, Brad, that culture plays some kind of a role? Yeah, I think that's a a pretty astute observation because, you know, not only do our tastes change as we get older and get exposed to different foods and different flavors, but yeah, culture as well. I mean, think about how food is affected by region and cultures. I mean, from some parts of the world, they have taste affinities that go more towards spicy, savory, and really deep flavors, and others are a little more bland. I mean, from the Irish to the Indians, you couldn't have two more distinct flavor profiles for people who are grown accustomed to those types of foods. And so that just makes sense. It would play into wine as well. Okay. I got the box. I'm opening it up. It's pretty simple. It's color coded, bright green cardstock here that says, number one, you got to register. So you uh-huh. go to helix.com. Here's the collection thing. It says, now we're going to collect some DNA. So I'm going to go into the bathroom and we will, no, I'm not going to. No, 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 <laughs> no. See, originally I thought it required maybe that kind of a sample. And I thought that's, mm-hmm. that's a little weird because if if, if you took if you took that kind of sample from me all you'd get is pure wine (laughs) (laughs) you've got cabernet in your vein i haven't had a glass of water since 1986 really quickly explain to me what's in the pink box so when you've cracked the package open it's got a little collection tube what what we encourage people to do is think of having a big juicy lemon in your hand you know you cut that sucker in half and it's just squeezing juices just running down your hand and you're taking a big lick of it that'll get your salivary glands working and then uh (laughs) you fill up fill up a couple of, uh, it, it's not much. I mean, it's just a little bit of saliva in a cup and it's it's super clean because there's a nice and wide collection, like a funnel for it. And then whenever you fill it up to the um, to the line, you just put the cap on and then put it in the yellow box. It's all prepaid. You just put the thing in there. It says exempt human specimen. That You're, you're specifically speaking of me that I am an exempt human specimen? Yes, but not to your tax code. I mean, we're not, okay. we're not talking about <laughs> your, your tax exemption. All for right, your so we put it in the, we income. only got like a, a half a minute left. We put it in a box. We send it off, and, then, right. and then what happens? Put it in the box, send it off, and then six to eight weeks, you'll get your results, and that'll be emailed to you. Uh, I'm impatient. Why does it take that long? Because it's, uh, it takes a little time to unwind all those old DNA strands and to find the okay. nine specific genes and ten alleles that affect your, that influence your taste. We say six to eight weeks. It's more like four to six, but, okay. you know, it's on the high side. All right. on eight. Here's the deal. i, I got to make this super quick. I made an offer a couple of weeks ago. I said, I will do my 20 questions thing for any listeners, or at least, the you know, the first two. 10, but I'm going to do more. You're going to talk to me personally. You got to go to grapeencounters.com, go to the contact form, and you say, I want David Wilson to correlate my personality with my wine taste or words to that effect. Make sure you include your phone number and your email address and your full name. But here's the thing now. 
I talked to Brad offline about this, and I'm going to pick one person. We're going to give you a free Venom experience. And then Brad's going to get, well, you'll actually get your results, and, and he'll be in touch with you. And then I'm going to do the same thing, but using my techniques, we're going to compare notes. We're going to go 20 questions versus your DNA and see which one comes on top, or if we're aligned. I, I love I, the idea. You know what? I guarantee uh, we're going to be aligned, and the world is going to proclaim me a savant. Don't need, we don't need any technical lab. We don't need no stinking beakers. <laughs> okay. All right. So again, just go to go to grapeencounters.com. Send me a note. Use the contact tab. But do this now. And you're going to have so much fun. We're going to have so much fun just chatting on the phone. I love talking to listeners. So do it. Go to grapeencounters.com. Say, I, I want my uh, 20 questions, wine personality profile. And then you might be chosen to go to the next level, which is to get a free Venom experience. If you want to know more about Venome, it's just Venome.com, right? Correct, yeah. V-I-N-O-M-E.com. Think, think Vino and Genome combined. Okay, Vino. And I, and I do and I do want to add that, that to your listeners, David, whoever chooses to, whoever you choose or select to do this, have this fun test, we're going to provide the first bottle of wine from their primary Venome results complimentary. Well, awesome. So that not sounds only great. Quit, but we're going to get a bottle of wine. Too. That sounds great. Well, listen, that is going to do it for Grape Encounters today. That's going to do it for my visit with Brad Johnson, director of the customer experience at Venome. Folks, have a, a really good time. You may be missing out on a lot of wines that you should be drinking that you didn't realize, and we're here to help you discover it. I guess, uh, metaphorically speaking, Brad, we're going to turn on the light. I love it. Thank you so much, David. All right. We will see you all back here next week, same time, on this marvelous radio station in the good old U.S. of A. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition. 